your purpose is something that you just know you've always been sort of destined to do. And whether you're in that job now or in that school program and it doesn't feel that way, like look for it, look for the calling. I think that like there's going to be evidence to say, yeah, you know what, you're on the right path. And sure, you might have some self-doubts about, you know, is this the right job? Am I in the right position? Do I have the right boss to mentor me? But there's probably going to be indications to say you're on the right path and then just claim it, own it. All right. Well, welcome back or welcome to the Create Purpose podcast. Today, I'm sitting here with Brenda Rigney. She's a fellow coach, business coach, leadership coach. She has her own podcast, Three Uniques. And well, Brenda, let me have you go a little deeper for the audience. What is the work you get to do with your clients and in your community? How would you describe your role that you play as a coach? Hi, Zach. Hi, Zach's listeners. (laughs) Thanks for having me on. Well, I call myself a life and leadership coach. I I started my coaching practice. I was more business and leadership. I still am to some degree. Like if someone says, how do I start up my business? I'm definitely going to coach them on that area. But what I'm finding is that most of my clients are coming to me. They're leaders in business. They're entrepreneurs. I work almost exclusively with women, but I do coach men as well. And they're coming to me with, you know, they want to make a shift in their life. They want to make a change. And so it's not just how do I start a business or how do I get from director to vice president? It's like, I need something bigger in my overall life. So I've been expanding the conversation, expanding the coaching practicum to really involve the whole life. The concept that I work on with my clients is creating an aligned AF life. Mm, Love it. You know, one always wonders, you know, how does someone like yourself get on this path? Because I've gotten to know you over the last couple months now and we've we've talked off and on and this idea of three uniques which is something you teach and just this aligned af community that you're building it always makes me curious about the passion behind it you know like where does that come from because you're definitely you strike me as somebody who's really on mission creating a purpose really living into that very intentional what's important to you about doing that Well, when you talk about purpose, my purpose, and for everyone listening, and I'm happy to share it, is to maximize human potential. And I think it was probably about 10 years ago, you know, plus or minus a couple of years in there, but where I really landed on that. And it's not something that was foreign to me. It wasn't like I just woke up one morning going, that's my purpose, and I'm going to claim it and then kind of create from there. It was always something that I was always doing. And I think that's something that's really critical for people about discovering what their purpose is or their calling or their true path or however you want to define it is, or your legacy. Sometimes people use that term is, I think it's always something that's just innate in you that people just know about you. They come to you for, and now it's kind of like it's meeting up into action, right? It's getting into the tactical part now where it's like, you can actually get this mobilized before it may have been a little bit more nebulous or like just, you know, conceptual, and, and what I mean, like specifically about it is I can go back when I think about my leadership timeline, like if I was going from zero to 52, which is how old I am today, I have clear, distinct memories, episodes, experiences in my life where I was maximizing human potential. And to me, that means like little things like I was like, I started my career as a store manager at The Gap right out of university. I didn't know what I was going to do. I had a degree in political science. My path was to go to law school. And I had to pay off some student loans. And so my roommate friend at the time was working at The Gap and she said, get a job there, pay off some student loans and then figure out what you want to do next. And I stayed for 15 years. And it was a great time working for The Gap because it was all about developing people. 
And I was like, as soon as I got into the store, I realized kind of after like my onboarding and orientation, which I thought was phenomenal, this is what I want to do. I just want to train. I want to develop people. I want to help young people too. Because at the time I was 21, 23 when I got my first store. And most of the people that were working for me were like 15, 16, 18 years old, um, you know, struggling, trying to make choices. Do I go to university? Do I go to, go to college? Do I do this? Do I work in my dad's company? Like just making decisions about things. And I, I loved being in that space. So it's just, you know, I think for anyone listening, I think it's like your purpose is something that you just know you've always been sort of destined to do. And whether you're in that job now or in that school program and it doesn't feel that way, like, look for it, look for the calling. I think that like, there's going to be evidence to say, yeah, you know what, you're on the right path. And sure. You might have some self doubts about, you know, is this the right job? Am I in the right position? Do I have the right boss to mentor me? But there's probably going to be indications to say you're on the right path and then just claim it, own it. Yeah. You said something. I, it was subtle. I wrote it down, though. I, I loved it. It's kind of this self-reflection and starting to see what's kind of always been there. It's it's your natural inclination and natural strengths and abilities. But then you said some. I might. I'm paraphrasing, but these are my words. Being intentional about doing it on purpose. Yeah. I those. That's not what you, you said exactly, but I think that's what I, that's what I heard. Was I hearing you correctly? Yeah. Well, you just like claim your purpose. Like it's out there. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like, there's like this like billboard in the sky, like it's like flashing at you, you know, like those old school airplanes with those banners that just go across, like when you're at the beach or something, it's like, it's right there. Just like take it down and yeah. And then, and then use it. And, and then, then it's like the intentional path, right. Then it's just like, okay, instead of things just falling into your lap, which I just believe that the universe is there. I say this to my clients all the time. Once you claim your purpose, it's like, you can see now all the gems lined up. Like, like before they were already always there. And, but because you didn't have your purpose and you weren't sort of defining it and claiming it, it was kind of hard to see some things and you kind of maybe stumbled upon it. But then it's like, when you claim your purpose, it's like almost like all these little like Easter eggs are glowing and you could just like pick them up in your basket. Very cool. I got, I kind of get excited just hearing you talk. Cause that, that's, my journey has been very similar. It was back when I was early 20s, one of my first professional roles. I didn't know this, but I was in the role of work developing people. You know, that wasn't my title. I was just a manager, but that's why I came to work every day. I mean, if you really got down to it, reflecting like that's what always lit me up. That's what when I'd leave the most fulfilled. But yet I often question, you know, who am I? What, what am I really here to do? Does this really matter? Is there more? And that was around the time I became a co- Well, I didn't become a coach in that moment, but that started me on the path of really going deeper in this whole personal development journey, or just this probably less development. It's more just discovering who you are and being that and letting that be enough, being unapologetic about it. But this idea of create purpose came up. I was getting into blogging, I was writing and I got on this top purpose, you know, and I think for so long, I, and a lot of people I know they're looking for it outside of them, you know, like, where is wishing one day would just tap them on the shoulder and say, Hey, we'd like you to do this thing. Like, Oh, you know, and thank you finally. But I realized it's been there all along. And this idea of creation, like creating it, like it's my values. It's and I think we need to go here next. Cause I want to hear more on your kind of how you go approach this, but you use the word three uniques, you know, it's what makes me uniquely who I am. I just need to 
reveal that to the world more because I'm hiding. I'm trying to change myself for everyone around me, never really showing up as my true self. And so that now I'm frustrated because I feel like an imposter and oh, why don't people? Well, it's on. I never showed them who I was. And so when I started seeing that, I'm like, oh, my goodness. And things started. It was like the right opportunity started to attract themselves to me when I dropped the charade <laughs> and just started being who I was. So I wanted to share a little bit of maybe the the perspective I'm coming from, because that's how it lands for me when I hear you talk. I love that. And I think that there's a lot of other people on the planet, including myself. I was there too. Like just living that life is just exhausting, right? It's just like, it's tiring. Like you're constantly like trying to go upstream, you know, the whole phrase upstream without a paddle type of thing. And it's just, it's exhausting. So once I think you get into that alignment, so what I talk about when I think about alignment is you first got to claim your purpose. And then you mentioned it, it's, you know, setting your values And I'm a big believer on values and keeping them small. You don't need 10 values. You don't need 20 values because your values are there to help make decisions. Should I take door number one, door number two? Like you got to make it that clear. So your values should help guide your decision-making. And then it's setting out a vision for your life. Now see like the whole thing too about your purpose, your purpose is your whole life. It's going to last longer than you physically being on the planet. It's going to be your legacy. So using that word. People are going to remember you. They're going to recall situations, experiences with you. Even after you've gone, that's your purpose. It's going to be far reaching. Your vision is say for the next 10 years of your life, you want to keep it just like present, right? Something that's just on the horizon. And maybe for younger people, I'll sometimes, you know, pad that down to five years, right? Like depending on sort of where they are. And if they're like, Hey, you know what? I just need to get through college. Right. And it's like, yeah, no problem. So five years is good. And then it's mobilizing the goals, getting them into action, taking massive action around our goals. Passive action is reading, working with a mentor. Like all those things are great. They help build up your toolkit, but until you actually put like, you know, feet on the ground and you are taking massive action, your goals are not getting mobilized. So those are some of the concepts that I talk about when I'm thinking about an aligned AF life. And I, and I, those are sort of like the foundational pieces, but starting off, you talked about three uniques. So, you know, I have my podcast, people come in and they learn about their three uniques by taking a three uniques quiz. The whole idea behind three uniques is that we are similar to like concepts, like strength finders, like we are equipped with strengths and through schooling, through work, we're going to get conditioned to be this well-rounded employee, this well-rounded student We have to go through math, even though we're more artistic. We have to do sciences, even though we're more about philosophy. You know, whatever those things are, we have to be this whole rounded, you know, individual. But at the same time, we have passions, we have strengths. So the whole idea behind three uniques is to identify what makes you unique. You first start off by looking at your skills, your talents, your abilities. So that's sort of like one bubble or bucket that you would look at. And then the next area is, you know, really looking at your values, beliefs, and passions. And then the third is looking at your experiences past, present, and soon to be future. Cause I know like, you know, I'm planning on going on vacation this fall to Europe. That's going to be an experience. that's going to be in the soon to be future. So I can already start anticipating kind of what that experience is going to be like, cause I'm planning on that vacation. So those three buckets or bubbles, as I call them in the middle, that center sweet spot is what makes you unique. And sometimes people say to me, well, to narrow down to three, Brenda, that's hard. Like Well, again, here's the thing is like, you probably have 10 uniques. You probably have 30 uniques. Awesome. That's great. But again, sometimes we get stuck on trying to then mobilize them and where we see, you know, congruency or alignment in our life. So I take it down to three 
three is a really great number. It's like a core number in Pythagorean theorem. Like there's a lot of science and witchery and mathematics that's rooted in the number three. So that's a, it's kind of like a good lucky number and it keeps it simple. So you know, what are my three uniques? And then how do I build an aligned life that's intentional, that's set on my values, that, you know, ties into my vision, that helps me mobilize my goals. And that, you know, when I wake up in the morning, it's, it's clear to me what I'm doing and who I want to impact and how I want to serve. Yeah. So good. And I'm just thinking about my own life as you share those three bubbles. And it's, I'm curious if this is true for you too, or some of the people you work with, but it's like, when you look behind you and all the experience in your life, it's, it's like, you see a straight line that brought you right to where you're at. Like it all starts to make sense. Cause every, so the three bubbles, if I heard you right, skills, talents, and abilities, your values, beliefs, and passions, and your experiences past, present, and then kind of the desires, like, what do you want to be experienced more of, less of? And it's that unique blend. And I just, I look, you, you had me thinking about my life and it's like, wow, you know, I was doing sales calls when I was in my twenties and I hate, I didn't like doing it. And I didn't, where am I going with this? But it taught me how to listen. It taught me how to ask deeper questions. And, and it's all this stuff now. I'm like, wow, I bring every part of me into being a coach, you know? And I, I, that's kind of, am I getting it? Is this kind of. Yeah. And see, that's the thing. Cause like when you're looking at the first bubble skills, talents, abilities, like, yeah, I may play basketball. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to go become a basketball player. So that's the key thing is that we look at all three of those bubbles and it's this sweet spot in the middle that creates our three uniques. So you could be a really great listener from learning how to do sales calls. It doesn't necessarily mean that you want to become a sales professional all your life. Right. Cause then that's just sort of anchoring us in one path. So it's like, we list off all our skills, all our talents, all our abilities. I play basketball, you do rodeo. Like, you know, it's just like you list them all off and then it's like, oh, and then in combination with my values, beliefs, and passions, as well as my experiences that I've had from the past, current state and future, what makes me unique? What do I want to claim? What's important to me? And yeah. And then stripping away everything that is not that yeah. in, in your life and, and, and yeah, because here's the thing too, is that we may also through past jobs, again, through past education, schooling, we may be anchored in some type of thinking that, oh, because I, I'm just going to use you as an example, because I was in sales or you were in sales that you're always now going to have to be in sales. Right. And I mean, I'm sure there's like selling as far as part of your business, but it's just more in that full-time sales role. And then, you know, if that's not something that really alivens you or makes you feel great about it, then it's like, you just get anchored in that. And I see too often people, you know, it's that regret. And then, you know, they'll even pass it off as like, oh, I don't have any regrets though. Like, you know, I've lived a full life. Da, da, da. It's like, no, but there's some longing. There's some, you know, desire there that's not being necessarily met. And so why not look at all the things that you bring to the table? Again, your skills, talents, abilities, your passions, your values, beliefs, and your experiences. And from that, create something. Because there's going to be something magical in all of that. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love that. And has me thinking a little bit about, and I'm curious what your experience is. One, this idea that the idea of regret, but then we also will, the word that comes to my mind is rationalize a little bit of why, you know, good enough, why things are the way they are. It is what it is. <laughs> and. I don't, when I see that in, in people, I, 
I see them tolerating so much. That's an indication that they're tolerating a lot of things that they don't really desire. And as a coach, I it, it, it's kind of my purpose is I want to draw them back to their own unique greatness. That 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 inner pilot light, if you will, that that spark, that that desire, and no longer settle or tolerate, and actually pursue it and that like that create purpose that kind of like we were talking about earlier claim your purpose and and really mobilize it into action so let's talk i want to go there but let's put a pin in that for a moment because i'm really curious like this 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 i'm just kind of think putting myself in some maybe the listener's shoes sounds great like sounds wonderful but i've got a business i have employees i've got pressure i've got a boss or what you know there's just all life is kind of telling you who you are supposed to be and ought to be. So you're always bumping up against that. I wanted to just ask you a little bit more of like, what does it feel like from your experiences working in your community when somebody's not aligned with their three uniques? What what might be some indicators that there's an opportunity to our listeners to, to do this work? The number one thing I'm hearing from most people that come to me is burnout. Yeah. Right. Now. And however people define burnout, physically exhausted emotionally, mentally exhausted, just, you know, not wanting to do the work anymore, whatever the work is that they're, you know, commissioned to do their job, you know, whether they're the owner of the business or an employee within the business, but just feeling this like huge sense of burnout and sort of like drudgery trying to go to their work. It's impacting them in their relationships at home, like in their personal life, at their health, their wealth. So that's one of the things I hear. I think just as much as people like, oh, well, Brenda, that's all well and good, but I've got responsibilities or I've got obligations. There's also an element of self-doubt. Like this is going to require a lot of work. And I don't know if I have one, the capacity or the capability. So I think it, it also becomes a little bit of a self-confidence concern, right? Like they just don't have the self-confidence to make that change. And really self-confidence is just a belief. We rely a lot on confidence from past experience to tell us that we can do something, but self-confidence is the belief that we have the capacity or the capability to do something differently in the future. And that takes, again, massive action. We are only gonna train our brain to think that we are confident to take on that next challenge, that next risk, that next goal, if we actually take action, fail, (laughs) learn from that failure, and then take action again. That builds our tool bank of confidence. Right now, we're relying on confidence from, I don't know, a project that you did 10 years ago that you were successful at, that your boss you know, said, good job. And you're relying on that to take on the next goal that you have. It's expired. It's old news. Like Nobody cares anymore. You need to set a new belief for yourself that you have the capacity and the capability to take on something new and different and awesome in the future. And yeah, that may mean I don't know how to do something. So you ask for help, you get a coach, you get a mentor, you you know, you take a course, you read a book, like you build your capacity and your capability to take on that next goal. But I think that's the difference is that people are relying on confidence from the past versus self-confidence of something they want to do in the future. So there's burnout, there's self-confidence and self-doubt like sort of generates in that. And then I think there's also pain. People are afraid of pain. You know, they could be suffering from some type of physical, emotional, or mental pain right now. And the idea of addressing the pain, leaning into the pain, exploring the pain, exploring the emotion behind the pain is a lot. 
And so we buffer, you know, we compensate, we justify, we rationalize, like you said, and we push it aside. Because it removes the pain. It removes the pain. Yeah. Yeah. And people do that through whatever, wine, Doritos, whatever it is that they do to compensate for that, spending things, buying like an extra handbag, whatever those things are to make us feel good in the moment. But we desire something bigger than that. Yeah. And we have the capacity and the capability that separates us. We're mammals. We're primates at the core. But what separates us from a bear in the mountains or a giraffe in Africa is that we have desires. Yeah. That's human nature. That's our human drive is that we have a desire for something bigger, something greater. And we all have that. And it's, it doesn't, it doesn't discriminate against wealth, people of wealth or people of not of wealth, people of education or not education, people of like family, you know, I don't know, Hallmark card family situations or not Hallmark card families. It doesn't discriminate. We all have that inside of us. Yeah. The light has gone out maybe a little bit, or it's a little bit dimmed, but it's like, it's leaning into that emotional pain that, that also complements the aligned AF life. So I talk about purpose, values, vision, and goals. And then the three things that get in the way, which is our limiting beliefs, our money blocks, and then setting clear boundaries. So that completes like my seven steps around an aligned AF life. We figure out what makes you unique, three of them, and then we apply it in this full circle of these seven steps, purpose, values, vision, goals. And then we go into those limiting beliefs. We, you know, address the emotional pain. We address the self-doubt. We address the, you know, the burnout, whatever those things are feeling for you. We look at the money blocks because that's a lot of times people are like, I can't take on this life because it's going to cost too much. I don't have the time you know, whatever those things are, my kids, my partner, my boss, whatever those excuses are that we can't live into our aligned AF life. And then the last one is setting some boundaries because we're saying yes to some things that we really should start saying no to. Ooh, so good. There's so much to unpack there. I, I know. It's like a th- th- I love that you just, I like, I like hearing that complete journey, that complete thought you just shared because it helps paint a picture to everyone listening, including myself. Like it's really that's a cool life when you, it takes a hell of a lot of courage to lean into that. But is there at some point it stops becoming scary and the self-doubt goes away or is it, is that? I I totally agree with this. Yes, I do believe it. So in my aligned AF program, I work with clients for a year. Like I want them for a minimum of a year because I believe that there is mountains and valleys in, in our life. And so it's like, if we just work together for three weeks, I just like, we'll get, we'll get somewhere, but it's gonna, it's like an elastic band. We'll stretch it. And then it's just going to go back. So I want to stretch it a little bit more so it stays in that new space. Um, so I have a client, we were just chatting yesterday and she said, you know what? It, it took me like the first couple of months I was resisting and I was even thinking about like quitting. And I'm like, yeah, I know. She's like, because you were like going after the emotional pain stuff. You're going after the self-doubt stuff. And I'm like, yeah, because we got to clear that out. We got to like take the bandaid off that you've been putting on there, the buffering, the, you know, the compensating for it. We got to clean the wound. And then we can start on the goal. We can't start on goals if you've got a wound there. You got to clean it out. Maybe put a new bandaid on or air it out a little bit. But, you know, we got to, you know, and then we can start on the goals. And so really her first couple of months was like pushing, resisting. And then it was like opening up possibility, feeling the emotions. Right. And she would, you know, in our calls, she'd be like, I'm sorry for crying. And I'm like, it's cool. Like, it's like, you got to release. You got a lot of layers of like dirty band-aids on there. We got to like take them all off. 
And now she's at a point where it's like, she's been six months in, she's setting goals, she's building her website, she's doing sales pages, she's launching a program and there's like no resistance. Sure, she has little flare-ups every now and then, like in the sense of like, ooh, ooh, self-doubt's coming back up. But now she's leaning into her emotions and saying, yeah, okay, why is that self-doubt there? Yeah, I know why it's there. Okay, I got it. We're good. Yeah. So that's such a powerful thing. Just reflecting on what you said, like we have desires in our hearts and our soul. And, you know, there's these real desires, these things that we kind of sent. If we let ourselves, we'll lean towards them. You know, they're, they're whispering to us always. But right behind those desires is resistance. Mm. It comes in the form of self-doubt, fear, like telling yourself a story that of lack of confidence, if I were only more confident, right? But what you're sharing is so powerful. Let's talk about this, the emotional component of pursuing your legacy, your purpose, and translating that into a vision, setting goals and turning it into action. It's the, our emotions keep us from so much of that because as a leadership coach, I'll be in a conference room with multiple leaders in a room and it's just my style. I, I will, I will, I go there. I enter the danger. I ask the tougher questions. And there are times where somebody will break down that I'll hit an emotion and there will be tears. And it isn't long until one of the leaders in the room, the, one of the peers go scrambling for a tissue and they hand that tissue to that individual. And that communicates so much. I just want the listeners to be mindful. Like when you hand someone a tissue, you're telling them to clean themselves up, you know? And I'm kind of like, no, let them, let them, let, let it come. Like yeah. we're just, we just started. You want nose, like everything, right? Yeah. Like all let out. it come because that's, that, that's that you said it earlier. There's, there's kind of this release. There's this airing out of the, the wound, if you will. Yeah. Sometimes that's all that's needed is just to, I don't remember where I read this, but you know, people that seem to have these emotional outbursts, they will apologize. I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm, I just get emotional. I'm so emotional. And the truth is they're not emotional enough. They, they bottle it up and then it just comes bursting out of them instead of staying in touch with the emotions. And I think I'm curious what you think about this, this idea that I don't know how many total emotions there are, you know, in the psychology textbooks, but the majority of them could be labeled as negative emotions, sadness, grief, anger. There's only like joy and happiness. There's only like a handful of pleasant ones. The rest that human beings experience are often judged as bad, negative. And so we judge the emotion and we want it to go away. Like we're, we're trying to get rid of it. And, and so that's where we lose resonance with who we are being and who we are in the moment. And so we we like unplug ourselves from that desire and, and everything those emotions are trying to tell us. So I just kind of went down a road, but I'm curious because like, I know you run and you bump up against this and you really help individuals navigate the emotional component of fulfilling on their dreams. What have you found to be true and most helpful in, in these situations? Well, I think the most important thing is there's this, a clear connection between our emotions and our body, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's the other thing too, is that like when we we use the example of crying before there's a physical reaction to the emotion that we're experiencing. And sometimes that physical reaction again could show up as physical pain, right? We get a cramping in our stomach. We get a tension in the back of our neck. You know, maybe we get a twitch in our eye or we get, you know, hard, hard to breathe, like shortness of breath. And the natural inclination, our brain, when it experiences pain is to 
you know, go into some type of defensive mode around it. Right. We, we don't like pain physically, you know, we don't want to hurt our bodies. Right. And, and so again, understanding where those triggers are in our body is also a good indication to say, you know what, I, I'm understanding, I'm learning about my emotions. I'm learning that when I experience loneliness, this is where it shows up in my body. When I'm experiencing frustration, this is where it shows up or how it shows up. When I'm experiencing anger or hatred, this is where it shows up. And what I've been able to learn for myself is recognizing those triggers, those body sensations, that tightening or quickening, depending on how you experience it or heat. Sometimes it's like, you know, my hands get hot or I feel like the heatness in my chest. I know some of my clients will go red in the face. You know, it manifests differently in everyone's body, but tuning into them earlier, right? So it's like, I know when I'm experiencing some type of tension that's always related back to some emotion, it starts at the base of my neck. It'll start in my jaw and then go to the back base of my neck. I grind my teeth at night. So if I wake up in the morning and my jaw is tight, there's some, there's a thought that I haven't processed yet that I need to process. It's not about a situation. It's not about, oh, Zach said something to piss me off or something like that. It's not that. That's like what, that's an occurrence. That's an issue. It's the thought that I have about what Zach said. And so like my mind has shut off the thought. My mind is like buffered or tuned off the situation because it's painful to recall that conversation with Zach. I mean, just using you as an example. Oh, you're good. (laughs) For the listeners, it's like- Perfect example. No problem there. There's been no past conversation, no baggage. But it's just, you know, it's like my brain has said, you know what, this is too painful for me to deal with. So I'm going to shut it off and we're going to have a glass of wine after work or, you know, go out with girlfriends or whatever. I'm going to just tune it out for right now. But my body, it's still resonating in my body. And I wake up in the morning and my jaw is, you know, tight because I've been grinding my teeth. That's a signal for me to say, there's a thought that I haven't processed yet. And I will just spend some time. I find for myself, it's getting out into nature. Mm-hmm. I live close to the water. I'm in Western Canada. And so for me, it's like getting out into the woods or getting into like on a forest trail with my dog or going down to the beach. And then like maybe just sitting. Sometimes I'll take a journal with me. Sometimes I'll listen to music, but it's just like, what's the thought that I haven't processed yet? What happened in the last week? So I either tune into my body and see where there's a, you know, a tension that's coming up and where could that tension be coming from? It's always going to be coming from a thought. We tend to take it back to a situation. It's like, oh, the reason why I have this pain is because of Zach. It's like, no, it's the thought that I have about the conversation that I had with Zach. And so understand the thoughts that I have, because I, can, I can't change Zach and I can't go back to the past conversation, but I can change the thoughts that I have about Zach mm-hmm. or thoughts about myself and how I showed up in that conversation. And so that's where I can start taking now massive action. So once I recognize the feelings that I have in my body that's showing up, I can go back to the thought that generated those feelings, and then I can take massive action around creating new thoughts. Yeah, action towards getting your needs met. You know, I, I, I like to think of it as that. I'm curious if this, if I'm thinking about it correctly, but actually slowing down, which is what I heard you just say, is get back in touch with what's these emotions are, where are they coming from? What are the stories I'm telling myself that's even leading me to feel this way? Yeah. We tell curiosity. Yeah. Brain is just, oh, like it's an amazing equipment piece of equipment for us, but it, it logs all these stories. So again, going back to the conversation with Zach, something triggered in something in me, it made me frustrated, but it's really about a story that links back to, I don't know, a conversation I had with my dad, like 18 years ago and how he made me feel in the conversation. And I'm just building it all together. And my brain is saying, yeah, oh, 
it's like that situation. So the way Zach talked to you is exactly the way your dad talked to you. So now you're just going to lump it all into this one big story, right? And this trilogy that's just now like, it's like Star Wars, like times 10, you know? And it's just, you know, so our brain is like this magnificent machine, but it also can be a detriment to us creating more love, abundance, joy, fulfillment in our life because we're tuning ourselves out. We're like, nope, I don't want to deal with Zach. So I'm just going to like avoid it. I'm going to avoid that pain. I'm going to buffer um, versus let's get in. Let's figure out where the pain's coming from. Feel it in your body. Spend some time thinking about your thoughts. Yeah. And then take an action to change your thoughts. Yeah. And question your thoughts coming back to what you're like, what evidence do I have that that is actually true? And what's leading me to believe that? And that that opens up a whole new world of possibilities. Like, well, maybe, maybe I'm just having a bad day. <laughs> it has nothing to do with you, right? Yeah, there's some great work with Byron Katie. Yes, it's so, I can't believe you said that. Yeah. I was going- As soon as you said true, right? Like, yeah. is it true? Like, she'll just ask the question, like, what's the thought that you have? And like, is it true? How do you know it to be true? Uh-huh. And if, you know, the thought wasn't there, like, what would you be doing instead, right? Like, I, like I'm paraphrasing her questions there, but she has like forming questions and it's like, it's such a beautiful question. Cause it's like, if you didn't have that thought, like if you know the thought's not true and if you didn't have it, what would you be doing instead? Yes. And I love that. I love Byron Katie. It's so. Do you want to be stressing and like, you know, thinking about Zach 24 seven and the bad conversations? Like, no, I actually want to have a better relationship with Zach. I want to build a business with, Zach. you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. Into that. Yeah. So good. I want to shift, not really shift because you ended like once you kind of learn to process and stay in it, Mm -hmm. you can get to your point where you can take massive action. And so that kind of brings us to the towards the end of the framework you've been teaching us, I think, Mm -hmm. just kind of getting getting into your aligned self, Mm -hmm. which translates into action, aligned action, all the, you know, and so you said something towards the beginning of our conversation around passive versus massive action. Yeah. And I, there was a moment where I'm like, I I'm familiar with passive action, but share the difference for us just for a moment. Like what's the difference between passive and massive action and what's important to us about distinguishing between the two. Sure. Yeah. I'll actually like break it into three. So there's no action, passive action, and then massive action. So no action is just not doing anything. Like we're living in doubt, fear, blame, worry, you know, judgment, and we're just not doing anything. We're like completely immobilized. Life is just passing us by. It's like on default. Um, Passive action is we're getting into some sort of action. Like, and I would classify that as like the intellectual approach. We're reading, we're listening to podcasts, we're going to conferences, commenting on someone's like, you know, post on LinkedIn, which is great. And our brain is telling us that we're taking action, but it's from the stance. Like we're watching life play out. And we're taking this intellectual, we're pontificating, we're reflecting, we're maybe like, we could be brainstorming, which is great. Got our flip charts out and we're, you know, we're with our colored markers and we're coming up with all these ideas. But if they're just ideas on flip chart and they're not actually getting on the court and getting played out, it's passive action. Massive action is we're creating, we're generating, we're failing, you know, we're learning. We're in that growth mindset, Carol Dweck, growth mindset, right? So it's like, Passive action is we could be learning, but we could stay, stay fixed because we're not applying anything. We're not taking it. I think I have a great example of passive action. Years, years ago, I started working with a coach and that's kind of what opened my eyes. Like I didn't even realize this was a profession and I was preparing for 
a direction in my life. And I was reading all these books and I was always talking about, I read this and I'm learning about this. And he asked me this powerful question. He said, I remember it. He's like, when will you know that you know enough? Kind of this idea of like, in other words, he's saying, when are you going to just get to work? You know, when are you going to take all this passive action and turn it into actually just putting something into the world? Yeah. Like you're, you're staying in that student mode. Yeah. And now you need to turn into, so I have a coach that talks about you're either in student mode or when you're taking massive action, you get into scientist mode where you're actually experimenting and you're trying things out or you're in artist mode when you're creating or you're a monk mode where you're like introspective, but then you're taking action afterwards, right? Like you're generating still from that. So like there's a number of hats that you can play when you're in massive action. But I think the key thing is like, you got to see the shift. So like, you'll know, right? Like, am I in the stands? So there's a concept from landmark education. Like you're either on the, in the stands watching life pass you by, or you're on the court playing life, you know, dribbling the ball, passing the ball, shooting the ball, whatever. But you know, when you're in the stands, you're actually not living your life. You're commenting on what's going on in the game, but that's it. You're a commenter. Yeah. Or you're on the sidelines stretching and getting ready to get ready to get ready without ever. Yeah. I, I love I love that. I love your archetypes. You just shared the, what the, I don't know if you've used those before. They're really good. You said the student, the monk, the, I love that. I, I can't claim those. Those are my, one of my coaches, Simone soul. She talks about, so there's the student, which is really passive, passive action. And it's okay to be a student. Like, it's like, yeah, I'm going to like set a timer. I'm going to be a student for a day. I'm going to listen to a bunch of podcasts and Monday I'm going to take action. And yeah, the three architects that she talks about as far as taking massive action would be the scientist because the scientist is always experimenting, drawing hypothesis, you know, learning, failing, whatever, mixing the, making, mixing the potions and, and, but always in action, right. Or the artist paint palettes, different colors, swatches, canvas, different mediums, all that sort of stuff, but applying, um, you never say, you never see like an artist saying I'm an artist, but they have no artwork, right. It's like, no, they're applying their craft all the time. And then the monk who is introspective, always searching for sort of like reasoning, et cetera, but then applying it, right? Like from a spiritual standpoint. So both are like, because I think the thing is like, sometimes when I talk about massive action, I don't want people to think that you're on 24 seven either. Like you do need some time, like you do need the resting and the restoration. So sometimes it's good to play the monk part, but the monk still wakes up the next morning. They're still fastidious. They're still like, I don't know, pruning the garden and, you know, mopping the floors and whatever they're doing, right. You know, shearing the sheep. So they're still doing something the next day, but they also take that time to reflect. Yeah. I can, I can imagine extremes. You know, the, if you're always in student mode, you never put anything new. You're always consuming, not creating, but if you're always in massive action, you're probably ineffective at some point because you, there's this idea of slowing down to speed up. Like let's maybe go intro, go internal for a moment, introspective and t- get, you know, cause I've, I know people and I grew up, was in work, the workplace where people, it was just like, we couldn't even finish the, the leadership development workshop we were in and they wanted to end it early so we could get started. And it's like, let's complete on this and we will begin as soon as this is done, you know, and be present, you know? And here's how I talk about it with my clients that are like, you know, business leaders, entrepreneurs. It's like, you're not always launching. Yeah. Right. It's like, you're going to launch something you know, a new offer, new promotion on something, but it's not like you're launching like every single week, unless you're like Crate and Barrel or J Crew or something like that. But it's like, you know, for most people that are in some type of 
like the folks that I mostly work with online solopreneurs, it's like, you're not launching all the time. So it's like, yeah, like maybe it's like, yeah, you're doing a couple of webinars and then next week it's like more, you're going to focus on your social media posts, you know, but it's like, you're always taking action. Right. And it's always in this massive, like aligned effort towards your, your goals. Um, you know, and again, sometimes you need to be the student. So be the student, but I would say, set your timer. <laughs> yeah. That was my trick is I, I would give myself enough time. Okay. Okay. You have an hour or you have your weekend. You can noodle on all kinds of interesting ideas, but on Monday, you're going to start putting your fingers to the keyboard and writing something or, you know, putting something out there. So good. So I'm just reflecting on our entire conversation. There's so much we covered. And if I'm listening, I might be sitting here like, that's all great. But right now, I just kind of feel like I am running on a hamster wheel, exhausted. I am tired. I'm feeling the burnout. What's like my first step? Like, what is the first step? Like, if if you were to give our listeners one takeaway to get started on this journey, what would it be? Oh, I would always say, and it, and this has been like the biggest like learning for myself personally in all of this journey is just, you know, because part of like the end work and the first step, it all comes back to this is connecting with your body, mm. getting into nature, focusing on your breath, you know, focusing on your sleep. Because here's the thing is like, if you want to make some changes, right? Like even if we talk about the concept, of, like setting clear boundaries, I may, I may need to start saying no to some things. And if I haven't been saying no already, my brain is going to go through a tailspin. So, you know, focus in on your nervous system, like getting connected to your breath, like getting into nature, breathing fresh air, calming yourself down, like knowing how to calm, you know, your nervous system down. Because as you take on these new goals and this new way of aligning to your life, your brain is going to resist it. Yes. Right. And to tell you it's wrong. And let's just go back to what we always know because it's familiar and it's comfortable. Even the burnout is familiar and comfortable. Even though we don't like the burnout, it's familiar, it's comfortable. And our brain is just like, well, we, you we've just always worked in burnout. So like, why do you want to create this alignment in your life? Like that seems really hokey. So you need to be able to tune into your nervous system when it starts, you know, when your brain starts pushing back on you. So good. So good. Well, I just have a few quick hit questions and this one's kind of a selfish question because I love to read. I love to learn. So maybe I do spend too much time in the student archetype, okay. but it's just who I am. I love it. And so I always like to ask my guests, you know, what's a book or a podcast or what's some, I'll just ask, I want to ask you more specific. What is a book that you're really into right now and, and why? Well, actually I'm reading one book right now. It's called the anti-racist business book by Trudy LeBron. And that's really good. She's awesome. Her book is doing really well right now. So I highly recommend it for people. And then I'm also reading Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. Oh, and that's a great book because it's just, it's totally aligned to like what we've just been talking about today. Like she just goes through and she discerns through all the different types of emotions, right? We're experiencing love, but we're also experiencing like fatigue. How do we navigate through that? Yeah. My wife and I just not long ago, we haven't finished it yet, but she has a special on HBO I think. Have you heard of it? I don't know if you've seen it, but we, I haven't finished it, but I think it's the same content of the book and it's a really powerful series. I think there's five 50 minute episodes. I love Brene Brown. I think she's amazing. 
I have not read that book though. I'm going to add that one to my list as well as the, the other yeah, one. Yeah, so basically chronologically goes through kind of like every emotion, right? So when you were talking earlier, like, oh, I'm sure in psychology, there's like, you know, and, and there are tools that like label all the different types of emotions. She goes through that. So. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Well, last question. What are, what are you building? You know, what is, what, so kind of bring it down to your purpose, your vision, goals. What are you building towards this year? Well, I mean, one of the big things is just continuing to strengthen the community that I've been establishing with the women that are inside Aligned AF. So I've been building out like more tools. I call it the vault. Like there's the Aligned AF vault. So people can, that are inside Aligned AF can just have all the videos, the recordings, everything sort of at their fingertips. And then there's an extension of it. We've got a retreat going on this fall in person on a local Gulf Island called Galliano Island. It's this really amazing island and lots of great memories there for myself and my co-host that's going to be doing it with me. And yeah, that's going to be really exciting. So I'm just kind of like, I think, you know, when I think, I think of different business concepts, like everyone's sort of going after this product and this product, I just want to continue to like enrich the aligned AF model framework and community that I've been starting to establish and just continue to like entrench in that. Yeah. That's my, that's my focus and going away I'm going to Europe this fall with my partner and I'm really excited about that trip. And, and we're going to visit three amazing cities in 10 days and yeah. And spending time with my girls. Oh, sounds, sounds fabulous. How can people learn more about what you're up to? They can check out threeuniques.com. And when they go to threeuniques.com, they can take part in my quiz and learn more about what makes me unique. Cool. I have to ask, I swear I heard some seagulls or some birds chirping in the in the yeah. background. Do you have your windows open and, are, and yeah. are you are you by the water? I'm not close to the water. I'm like about a 50 minute drive from the water. But the interesting fact about seagulls, because my partner's a marine biologist, seagulls don't actually always live by the water. I didn't so know that. we actually, yeah, there's like a flock or I don't know, little haven where they kind of hang out. But yeah, there's some like maybe a block a block away from me. So I always see them. Well. I hope we don't edit them out because they, they weren't very loud, by the way. It was just very subtle. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I just felt myself <laughs> kind of calm down. I just loved it. So thank you for adding that to the, the episode. Well, <laughs> Brenda, thanks for, for joining me. I love this conversation. And I hope that was great. I don't hope I, I know those that are listening got a lot out of this. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your unique abilities, you, your gifts with with my audience. So I really appreciate it. And thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Zach. Thanks everyone for listening to and yeah, be well. Hopefully you really enjoyed this podcast episode. And my hope is you found it really inspirational. And also, most importantly, I hope you took away some practical things that you can start to do and apply in your own life. So finally, I have one small favor to ask of you before you go, wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Apple Music or Spotify if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Love to hear your thoughts. Come find us on social media, share it on social media. It just really helps us get the word out, helps us grow our audience. So please do that. Thanks to my team, Ashley Bolden, who handles all the admin and Chris Skipper, who handles all the music and editing of this podcast. For more information on the Create Purpose podcast, you can go to www.createpurpose.net. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Zach.Arend. Please drop me a comment, reach out, drop me a DM. I'd love to hear from you and love to hear what you're taking away from these conversations. What would you like to hear more of? Do you have any guests that you would love to see come on the show? And I'm always looking for great people to talk to and people with great stories that can inspire you. And so if you know of anybody, send them my way. Love to hear from you. 
I'm your host, Zach Aaron, and I'll see you in the next episode of the Create Purpose podcast. Bye for now.